0: Call in at 303 690 3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today on the air, taking your calls and texts. I want to welcome all of those of you who are tuning in up and down the Front Range in Colorado and Southern Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to say hello to everyone who tunes in from the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland. Welcome to the program. We also want to give a shout out to everybody who tunes in online. Welcome to the program. We're glad that you tune in, whether it's on the app or whether it's through your web browser. We're glad that no matter where you are in the world, you can tune in and you can be part of the show. So the number to call is 303 690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897 if you have a question about the Bible, or if there's something going on in your life that you'd like counsel or to talk about, or if you have a prayer request we'd love to hear from you, Uh, call in, or you can always text us. Uh, I am your host every Monday here on Calvary Live. It's just a great opportunity. I love doing this and getting to interact with all of you who call in or who text in and who just uh, listen. It's awesome to be able to do that. So I'm with you here every Monday, but we have the show going on every week with a couple of different pastors. Uh, A little bit about myself quickly. I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in downtown Longmont. So if for those of you in the uh Boulder County or northern Colorado area, we'd love to have you come and check us out if you're if you're in the in Longmont or in the surrounding areas with Frederick, Firestone, um up in the Mead and Berthoud, uh over to the west in Lyons and Boulder. And down in Erie and Lafayette or, or in Longmont proper, we'd love to have you come check us out. We meet on Sunday mornings in the St. Vrain Memorial Building in downtown Longmont, which is at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, right on the southeast corner of Longs Peak and Kauffman. It's the St. Vrain Memorial Building, it's right on the uh, southeast corner of uh, Roosevelt Park. So it's right on the corner of, of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman. And it's right on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont. And our website, for those of you who want to check us out or you want to listen to sermons or find out more about us, you can find us at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also hear me here on Grace FM every weekday at 2.30 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So it's every weekday at 2.30 and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We have a show that airs on Grace FM called Life in the Field, and those are our sermons from Whitefields Community Church. And that title, Life in the Field, uh, it refers to how we live in God's mission field and what does it mean to live our lives in God's mission field. So love to have you tune in for that as well. Let's go to our caller on line one. We've got James in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, James. Welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going,
1: sir? Uh, just want to know more about the uh, Passover and the communion. Uh they say somebody was speaking at the Passover and the communion is the same thing
3: uh as today. So is the Passover the same as the Lord's Supper? Um uh, certain communion. S- communion.
1: Yeah, communion. communion. Is so is that
3: the same thing? Communion the Yes, I, I would say that the Lord's Supper and Communion are are two different terms for the same thing. Okay. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean the word communion refers to the fact that in the act of taking the bread and the cup, that we are having communion with God. And also, you know, sometimes it's referred to as the Lord's table, you know, in the okay. sense of coming to the table. It's this picture in our minds, you know, like even in Psalm 23, talks about that, that he seats us at a table with him. It speaks of fellowship. That's where we have fellowship with God. So that's where the idea of communion comes from. Are you, some people call it the Lord's supper. Supper. They might call it the Lord's table. But it's referring okay. to that. That same thing that that uh, holy sacred act that Jesus instituted and told his disciples to do in remembrance of him until he returned and then he would actually eat and drink with them again in his kingdom, he said. So, yeah, to answer your question, is Passover and Lord's Supper the same thing? Uh, Well, in a way, uh, I would put it this way, that Passover was the foreshadowing of what the Lord's Supper would be. It's the foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. So, in practice, if you were to ask a Jewish person, you know, when you take Passover, is that the same thing as what Christians do when they take the Lord's Supper? A Jewish person would tell you no. But if you ask a Christian person, you know, is the Lord's Supper essentially the Passover? A Christian person would tell you that the Lord's Supper is the fulfillment of what the Passover pointed to. Okay. You know, in our church in Longmont recently, we've been studying Hebrews. And I would I would recommend for you to read the book of Hebrews. Um, and you know, listen to some sermons maybe from some of the guys who are here on Grace FM. Uh, go on their websites, pull up some of their sermons, listen to them as you read through it so that you have some help along the way. But, um, you know, the th- great thing about Hebrews, what, what makes it such a valuable and important book in the New Testament is that Hebrews is all about how the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus. That all of the <laughs> Bible, the Old Testament, all <laughs> of it, it is finds its fulfillment in Jesus okay. and points to him. And uh, that's a really important way. I mean, Jesus himself taught us to read the Bible this way. In fact, if you look at the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke, there's this really interesting thing where Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and uh, his followers they uh, they are you know feeling distraught, and they end up meeting Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and then later on he comes to where they're at, and it, he ha- he has pretty much he holds for them, teaches them probably the greatest Bible study that's ever been taught in the history of the world. It says that he opened their eyes to understand the scriptures and he uh, explained to them. And here's what it says. This is a quote. So this is Luke chapter 24, starting verse four. He says, um, this is everything that was written about me in the law of Moses, which is the first five books of Moses. So that includes the Passover um, and the prophets and the Psalms. He said, everything must be fulfilled and it all speaks about me. And so Jesus was teaching them and us a way of reading the Bible that we would call it. I actually I'm teaching a class on this tomorrow at my church. It's, I call mm-hmm. it Christocentricity or you could call it Christ in all of Scripture. And what that means is it's a way of approaching the Bible where you understand that all of the Bible, the old is fulfilled in the new and the new, you know, explains the old. So everything you have in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus and is fulfilled in him. I just uh, I just taught Hebrews chapter 10, the first part of it yesterday in church. And um, the the thing that's interesting, you know, he goes he uses this phrase shadows. He uses it several times throughout the book of Hebrews to speak of the Old Testament stuff. Yes, shadows. And he uses the word shadows and pictures. Now think about that that picture he's drawing for you. If you have a shadow. So a shadow has no substance. You can't go hug a shadow. You can't kiss a shadow. You can't pick a shadow up. A shadow is created, though, by something which actually does have substance. So a building casts a shadow. The shadow itself really uh, can't do anything for you. You can't enter into it. But a building itself, you can. Uh, So the fact that there is a shadow points to the fact that there is a substance which creates the shadow. And so that's what it says about all these things. So the Passover... You know, is an amazing, one of the almost I mean, one of the most incredible pictures of Jesus that we have in the Old Testament. You know, these people who are enslaved, they are in bondage, they are not free. They're being, you know, lorded over and, and treated badly and persecuted and they're suffering. And then God comes in and he says, Here's how I'm going to set you free. There's going to be a lamb. You know spotless lamb and I want you to slay that lamb and I want you to consume the lamb. I mean all of every step of the way there's a picture of Jesus how we must take hold of him how we must not just let it be outside of us but he must come into us. Right and so then that his blood is shed and then that blood is painted over the doorposts of the house marking that house as being covered by the blood of the lamb and if it's covered by the blood of the lamb then death passes over that house that's where the word Passover comes from. And, and then the people are set free from that which they were in bondage to. It's an incredible picture of sin and judgment and how God sets us free by the, the Lamb of God, Jesus. And so, when, right. we, when, when Jesus, you know, so Jesus, when he instituted uh, communion, that would have been an incredible thing to be present for because you can imagine what's happening. They're actually having the Passover meal at, at that time. They're sitting down to have the Passover meal. And, you know, the Passover meal consisted of a lot of things, bitter herbs. It consisted of wine. It consisted of, um, I'm forgetting, a bread, you know, that had uh, holes, unleavened bread, but it was punctured and it had stripes in it. That was how they kind of kneaded it and prepared it. And, And then, you know, Jesus says, "Okay, here's all the elements for the dinner. But the one thing that is missing from the dinner is the meat the lamb that's the whole point of the Passover dinner and yet Jesus explains to them as the night goes on they begin to see their eyes are open to see that what Jesus is saying is that he is the Passover lamb and in 24 hours time he's going to be sacrificed for their sins and the fulfillment of the Passover will be fulfilled in Jesus just an incredible thing so when we take communion, we're remembering that and we're understanding that that is the fulfillment that is what it means So, you know, a lot of Christians today say, hey, shouldn't we celebrate Passover? I say, hey, if you want to celebrate Passover, that's awesome. In a way, like you you pointed out, I mean, we are kind of celebrating Passover every time we gather for communion. Um, But in another way, if people want to celebrate uh, Seder Passover meals, I think that's great. Just make sure that you never miss the fact that the fulfillment is in Jesus.
1: Okay. That's good. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Hey, thank you for calling in. Great question. All right. Fine. All right, God bless you. Take care. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, on the air with you today, taking your calls and texts, your questions about the Bible, and your prayer requests. We have two open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to line two, where we've got Anna in Northern Colorado. Hi, Anna.
2: Hello. How are you?
3: Doing well, thank you.
2: Um, so basically, I just had a question. Um, I was writing, and um, this this question came up. So, um, is God actually offended at our sin?
3: Is God offended, and by offended, do you mean that He takes personal offense, like He takes it personally? Or do you mean that he's shocked or taken aback by our sin? What I'm not um, sure. I I understand what you mean by offended.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh basically, I guess does does he find it offend offensive to where it's I mean, it is kind of like I think I mean like a personal like a personal offense, I guess.
3: Okay, That's like does he take to, it yeah. personally when we sin? Um yeah, I I think the answer is yes. Um You know and I'll tell you a few examples of that okay so uh, here's one example that comes to mind off the top of my head is Mm -hmm. in the book of Acts uh, chapter 5 we read about this couple Ananias and Sapphira and they uh, Mm -hmm. you know lied to the church right so they said hey we sold this land and we're giving you all this money and they're kind of patting themselves on the back and then it comes out that they were actually lying Uh, and then what um, What's interesting is that one of the uh, the apostles steps up and says you haven't just lied to us you've lied to God You know, Mm -hmm. so so apparently God has taken offense at their lie Their sin is primarily against God and then secondarily against the person that they're sinning against Which means that God does in fact take it personally when we sin So another example would be like David Uh, You know David Commits sins, and he says in his psalms, as he's kind of pouring his heart out to God, he says, "Against you alone have I sinned, O God." You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, what did he actually do? Well, I don't remember the exact context of the psalm, but you can think through David's sins in his life, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of people who he sinned against. So when he kills Uriah the Hittite, you know, and uh, and takes his wife to be his own wife, Bathsheba. um David acknowledges that his sin isn't just against this family that he sinned against or against this person or individual His sin is ultimately against God. So we have to answer to God for our sins
2: Okay, all right, that makes sense. Yeah, I Kind of because I kind of thought so but I just uh, I guess I needed scriptural background just because I've heard it I've heard some people say no, he's not and you know stuff like that. So Um, But okay, Um, yeah, I I don't think think
3: that God is particularly surprised by our sin like yeah, but I do think that he takes it personally. He considers uh, sin a rebellion against him Mm -hmm. even when we sin against each other and yeah, yeah. and I mean, you know, I mean to the point where in Romans chapter 1 it says that the the anger of God is kindled against those who suppress um, righteousness and unrighteousness so yeah
2: okay all right well thank you and um let's see if you could uh pray um right now one of my family members is really sick um it's not dire or anything but uh, they're just in a lot of pain so yeah pray for that
3: yeah absolutely um let's pray for you heavenly father we pray for anna all of those of us listening lord um gathered together in your name all across the place, whether we're in our cars or listening on the radio while we work. Lord, we uh, align our hearts with yours and just ask for uh, Anna's family member who is sick. And Lord, we ask for healing, restoration. We ask for comfort. And Lord, we ask for your will to be done in their life, Lord, that you would even use this for their good and for your glory ultimately. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
2: Thank you so much.
3: You bet. Thanks for calling in. God bless you. Of course. Right. You're, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, uh, taking your calls and texts on the air today. You know, Anna just had a question about does God find sin offensive and uh, does He take it personally? And the answer was yes. But I, I don't think that we should just leave it there. And as a fact, I was, uh, I was, as I was letting her go, I was thinking, you know what? I don't really want to leave this here. I want to go on to the fact to say that God does take it personally, but he loves us so much that he has done something about it. And uh, and that is the good news of the gospel. I, I heard one person, he put it this way, and I, I thought it was uh, very, you know, it took hold of my heart. I'll put it that way. He said that uh, the Bible would say that sin is so bad. It's so bad that God had to die for us, but that God loves us so much that he was glad to die for us. And so I think we have to keep that in mind. Is God offended by our sin? Yes, absolutely. Does God take it personally? Yes, in fact, he does. But you know what else? He loves you so much that he has done everything to take care of your sin so that you could be forgiven and you could be saved in Jesus if you will take hold of it by faith. And so I would encourage all of our listeners to, uh, to do that, to take hold of the gospel by faith, to embrace Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, and to walk with him by faith. Let's go to line one where we've got Jamie in Fort Morgan, Colorado. Hi Jamie, welcome to the program.
2: Hi. Um I was calling um um I was wondering if I
3: can get prayer for my son and for um
2: for his salvation and what's going on in his life.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And yeah just a lot of a lot of struggles right now for me being okay. a mom.
3: Yeah yeah and I having
2: to deal that. with what he's going through,
3: yeah, how long's he been in prison?
2: He's almost six months now,
3: okay, okay, good. well, let's uh pray for him, but before we do that, do you, I just want to ask you real quick do you have uh do you have some people out there? Do you have a church that you're involved with that can support you?
2: I do have a church. I haven't been going because of the struggles I'm going through with my son. I'm kind of, like, sheltering myself, and I need to get back into church, and um, I'm just kind of upset at the whole situation right now. I bet.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I understand that, and I understand it can be, yeah, I can understand not wanting to necessarily show your face sometimes in the church or have to answer all the questions that people might want to say. I I was um, telling the previous caller that, you know, yesterday in our church, we were studying Hebrews chapter 10. And there's this verse here that I would encourage you with as uh, right before I pray for you. And here's here's what he says. He says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So that's saying we have hope in Jesus and it's a sure faith because Jesus is faithful even when we aren't. And then he says this, Let us consider how to stir each other up to love and good works and not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encourage each other daily all the more as the day draws near. And it just reminds us of the importance of being in fellowship and having people in your life uh, who can encourage you and pray for you when you need prayer. So I'm so glad that you called in, and I'm I'm privileged to be able to pray for you and your son. And I would just encourage you to be in fellowship. Get in that church or get in a church where they're going to, be praying for you and knowing about what's going on and be able to encourage you. So let's go ahead and pray for you, Jamie. Heavenly Father, we pray for Jamie. We thank you that she's called in, that she's reached out, Lord, that uh, we understand that she's been struggling. Lord, you know what it's like to struggle. You know what it's like to see uh, your son suffering and, and how that broke your heart. And Lord, we pray for Jamie and as she sees her son and his struggles and what he's going through right now. Lord, we pray that you would comfort her as only you can. Lord, that by your spirit, you would uh, give her true, deep, profound comfort, knowing that you are with her, that you are with her son. Lord, we also pray that you would use this event, as she said, for his salvation, or that this would bring him to the end of himself, or this would bring him to the point of where he no longer relies on himself, but he realizes how dependent he is on you and that he turns to you for a savior. And, Lord, I do pray that you would save her son. I pray that you would bring people around him in the jail who know you and who will point him to you. And, Lord, I pray that uh, truly he would know you and that he would begin to walk with you and that his life would be changed and transformed and take a whole new direction and trajectory for the rest of his life. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, bet. you guys. God bless Thank you. So Thanks much. for calling in. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today answering any questions you have about the Bible or anything going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us or you can text us. We have uh, all open lines right now, so it's a great time to call in if you've been waiting for a chance to do that. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero zero eight. I'm sorry, seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven is the text line. Uh, while we're waiting for those lines to fill up, I will um, turn to our text line a little bit. But I also want to tell you about some cool things happening at our church. One thing I'm really excited about. Is that we started a school of ministry and this is something that's open not just to people here in our church here in Longmont uh, But it's also open to anybody who would be interested our kind of vision for this school of ministry is eventually We would like to see a Bible college be born out of this uh, to serve this northern Colorado region And so uh, I encourage you guys who are listening To pray for that vision if that's truly of the Lord that truly he would he would be the one who brings it about and that it would come to fruition But so what we've done in the meantime is we have a classroom space here at our office in uh, central longmont And here in our office, we have this uh, classroom So on monday nights, we're teaching a class starting tonight called church history part one It's five weeks where we study church history. I've heard it said that uh, It's one of the most important things that christians can Learn about is the development of Christianity stuff like how did we get things like the Nicene Creed? How did we get the Bible in the form that it's in that we we call the canon? How did the how did scripture come to be canonized in the way that it is? We study all of these things and then how uh, all the councils that took place? How do we make sense of those what was up with Constantine and and all that stuff? And then how did we see Christianity spread throughout? Um throughout time up until about 1000 AD and then in the springtime we're going to do part two where we look at uh, year 1000 up to 2000 we look at even the 20th century a lot of incredible things happen in Christianity in the 20th century in fact if any of you have any questions about some of that stuff I'd love to talk to you about it on the air so you can feel free to call in the number is 303 690 it's 303 um, we also have a class going on on Tuesdays, at, which is called Christocentricity. So I was mentioning this to another caller earlier. This is where we teach that view of the Bible that Jesus taught us, how to see the scripture with Christ in the center, how the Old Testament speaks of Jesus and the New Testament and shows the fulfillment of, of uh, who Jesus is and what he did that was prophesied beforehand for thousands of years. And then on Wednesdays, we are doing a class, a new class that we developed called Christ and Culture, in which we're looking at how Christians historically have related to culture, things like arts, entertainment, work, and, uh, and, and the culture at large, the world at large. And, and then we talk about, you know, how should we relate to things like politics, social issues, and work, and things like that. So I'm really excited about uh, this school of ministry. It's been growing and doing really well, and we look forward to what God will do with it in the future. Let's go to line one. We've got Isabel in Boulder. Hi, Isabel.
2: Hi.
3: Welcome to the program. Thank you. What's going on?
2: So, um, my grandfather—he's 84. Um, he was admitted to the hospital last night, mm-hmm. um, and the doctors have let us know that he, his time is coming. Um, whether it be in a couple days or a week, um, he's slowly breathing, but it's through a like a, through a breather um, and he's not doing so well so I would love a prayer about acceptance for his family and for him to find peace because I know he will be passing soon
3: yeah absolutely okay well let's pray okay. heavenly father we pray for Isabel's grandfather we thank you Lord that she um cares about him so much and that he has obviously been part of her life so lord we we pray for him as he's in the hospital right now lord we pray that you would give him comfort and as he's in his final moments lord we pray that truly he would have comfort and that he would know that in jesus his soul is secure and lord so i pray that you would give him comfort and i pray that you'd be with the family Lord, that they would have peace in his passing Lord, and I pray that uh, this would be an important reminder for them of how short and how fragile this life is and that this would cause them, Lord, to, to say, I, I will redeem the time that I have left. I will make use of it. And so, um, Lord, we pray for them and we pray for the doctors. We pray for those taking care of the grandfather. And Lord, we thank you for his life and we ask that you'd be with him in these last days. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank
2: you very, very much.
3: Awesome. Thanks for calling in. God bless you.
2: Thank you. Bye.
3: Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady with you here uh, taking your calls and texts on the air. We are coming up on a break in about uh, two minutes. Um, we have some open lines right now, so if any of you would like to call in, we can get you on after the break. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 336 Before we go to the break, we're going to go over to our text line and we will uh, take a few texts that have come in. So we have a text that just came in. It says, Pastor Nick is a Gentile considered a non-believer. Okay, so in the Bible, when you read about Gentiles, you got to understand where this is coming from is that for the Jewish mentality, there were two kinds of people in the world. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. Now, you could convert to Judaism, at which case you would no longer be a Gentile. You'd be a, a converted or a, um, proselytized Jew. But you so. Jews and Gentiles that's how they saw the world so from a Jewish perspective Jewish people would say yeah Gentiles are people who are not Jews therefore they are non believers but then when with the advent of Christianity you have something very different where uh, suddenly these people who are not ethnically Jewish and who are not even converting to Judaism begin to believe in Jesus. And so this created a conundrum for the early Christians. What are they going to do? How are they going to treat these people? Do they treat them as full-fledged Christians, even though they haven't gone through becoming Jews before they become Christians? And so there became this whole new designation of Gentile believers. So when you read about Gentiles in the, um, in the New Testament, sometimes it does refer to people who are, what we would, we would use the word today, pagan is the word that we would use but it but understand it means people who are not jews so it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a non-believer it just means that they're non-jewish so you could be a gentile believer which we read about a lot in the new testament we're going to go to our break right now we'll be back in two minutes time stick with us you're listening to calvary live
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community. Church in Longmont, Colorado with you on the air today taking your texts and your calls. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. You can text us at 720 336 8 Nine seven. We'd love to hear from you if you have a question uh, that has come up in your Bible reading, understanding the Bible, or if it's a question about something going on in your life, if you'd like prayer for something, we'd love to hear from you. Let's go to line two where we've got Stephen in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Stephen.
0: Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you doing
3: today? Doing well. Welcome to the program.
0: Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Um, hey, so I guess my question is kind of in a question form, uh, a prayer form. And um, I've been thinking a lot about family. Um, you know, I'm married now with two kids and everything, and I'm uh, just thinking about kind of like lost family, and particularly my cousins. i got my aunt and uncle who are saved, um, and then they, they've got like seven kids. So I've got seven cousins that I pray for daily. Um, and the thing about it is we all kind of grew up in the same atmosphere, and I know they weren't raised like in the, you know the Bible says raise train your kids up in the admonition of the Lord and they were returned back um, and me and my sister we're you know we're saved you know we we fall sure like everybody does but my cousins it seems like none of them want anything to do with God or Jesus at all and they have their own opinions of what they think and I'm just kind of a little baffled, and I, like I said, I pray for them every day, but how can they know the same thing and have a saved, both the parents are saved, and pray for them every day and out of all seven of them, none of them want anything to do with God, and I just, mm. I guess I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I've been thinking about them a lot lately, and I wanted to kind of present that to you, and what that scripture means, because i got two boys myself now, and raising them up in the ambition of the Lord, what, do, what does that mean, and how well is that promise? I mean, God hold that promise, you know?
3: Yeah, and so that really is the question. Is that to be taken as a promise or as a guarantee, let's say it that way? Um, Yeah. Or is this a principle? And so principles, I think, are important. But here's the thing. So I think that when you're looking at the Proverbs, I think that uh, a lot of people take that one. And I'll tell you what happens with it. And I can kind of see it happening in your situation. So if you take that as a a kind of a – I don't want to say it's not a promise. I just want to say that I don't think it – It carries with it an absolute 100 percent guarantee. But because here's what happens if you raise up your kids in the way of the Lord, or at least you try to. And then, you know, you have your kids and they don't walk with the Lord. Well, then what is your conclusion? Well, then it must have been user error on my part. Like I must have failed. I must have not done well enough. In other words, it's all on me. Okay, and then if you do do well, then guess what? You You pat yourself on the back and you tell people. And man, I got to tell you, I have met so many people who do this. They've got a kid who walks with the Lord and then they pat themselves on the back and then they kind of look down their nose at other people whose kids don't walk with the Lord. And uh, so what I'm trying to say there is that look at look at what that leads to. What it leads to is not a dependence on God. um, And what it leads to is like, okay, if I, you know, follow this recipe, so to say, then my kids are going to turn out the way I want them to. And if my kids don't turn out the way I want them to, then I feel a sense of condemnation or uh, I feel a sense of pride in myself. Right. You see what I'm saying? So um, I think that's why that kind of, you know, the implication is sometimes carried with that verse or that's it's given with that verse by some people. Uh, I think it could be very detrimental. And I think it could be very detrimental on both sides, right? Like so if your kids do turn out well and they walk with the Lord as you hoped that they would, um, then that's all that can also be detrimental because it is detrimental to your soul to be puffed up with pride and to be patting yourself on the back like that. Um on the other hand, it's also detrimental to your soul to be so full of condemnation. But that's what so many of these things in our lives do, you know, we say, um, these so these things that are In a way, you could say they're lacking in grace. They focus on us and not on not on Jesus and on his role in all of this. Here's what I would encourage you with a few things in in this realm of answering this question. How do you make sense of this? Um, I think that uh, let's go back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve knew God. They walked with God. Yeah, they sinned, which they absolutely did. But they knew God personally. They walked with God. And yet one of their sons turned out to be a great kid who served the Lord and the Lord was pleased with him. And the other kid murdered his brother. Right. Like so they had and then they had some more kids as uh, Seth, their son. He was the one who called upon the Lord. That was good. And then you go down the line, you see Noah had a couple of kids and then not all of them turned out great. And was that Noah's yeah. fault? Maybe, maybe partly. I mean, here's the thing. As parents, we're broken and we are sinners ourselves. And so we we try to do our best and we try to raise them in the way of the Lord. And I will say this, how our kids turn out in part absolutely does have to do with how we raise them. That's what that's the principle that that proverb is telling us. But is there any guarantee? And at the end of the day, they're going to have to stand on their own two feet before God. And they're going to have to choose for themselves which way they will go. So that's what we have. For example, uh, you know, if you get to Deuteronomy. I think Deuteronomy is such an interesting book um, because the setting of Deuteronomy is this. You know, they've been waiting 40 years for this older generation to pass away so they can go into the promised land. And so Deuteronomy is Moses's final speech before he walks off into the sunset, so to say, and dies and goes away. And he's speaking to who? He's speaking to the new generation. So what that means is that their parents were the ones who made the covenant with God at Mount Sinai, who stood there and said, yes, Lord, we are entering into a covenant with you. They're the ones who were set free from Egypt, the ones who saw the the cloud of fire and the pillar pillar of fire and the cloud uh, by day. And they're the ones who ate manna from heaven. Right. And then here's their kids. And what Deuteronomy says over and over is, okay, this is what your parents believed, but now you, will the Lord be your God? That's what Moses' big message is in Deuteronomy. It's a repetition of the law to the new generation for the purpose of asking them, what are you going to do? What will you choose? And he says at the end of the book, over he says twice, he says, behold, today I lay before you a choice. I lay before you life and death, right? Choose life. And In other words, what he's saying is, You know, just because your parents had a relationship with God, that doesn't guarantee that you have a relationship with God. You know, your parents, they they grew up, they told you all these things about God, they've taught you, but now they're gone. And here's where the rubber meets the road. You need to decide, is this going to be your faith? Because you can't ride your parents' coattails. And, And, you know, this theme is carried throughout the entire Bible, that every person must choose for themselves. Again, I I don't know why, but it just keeps coming back to what I taught yesterday at church, maybe just because it's so fresh in my mind. But Hebrews chapter 10, you know, he goes on to this whole thing about um, Jesus did this. Jesus did this for you. He did it all. There's nothing that you can add to it. No more sacrifices need to be made. Nothing you can do can earn his love or blessing. Jesus did it all for you on your behalf. But then he says in verse um, 19, Actually, really, in verse 22, he says, therefore, because this is all true, let us draw near to God with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And so what I how I explained this to my congregation yesterday was to say, look, there are things that only God can do. Only God can save you. You cannot save yourself. You know, you have a problem and a need that you can't fix and that you can't meet. Only God can do it. But there is one thing. You know, there are some things, let's put it that way, that only you can do. In other words, you can't outsource them. You can't delegate them. And those things are taking those things that you've heard and believing them. And and so I would just encourage you in that way to see this in that sense. And maybe that informs your prayer life as well, where you say, man, I've got these cousins. They've heard it all. They've had those seeds of the gospel planted in their heart. They've had them watered. And now what needs to happen is. The eyes of their hearts need to be opened up. They need to understand it. And they need to not just understand it with their minds. It needs to take hold of their hearts. And and yeah. they need to give their life over to Jesus. And nobody can do that for them. Their parents, you know, you can't, uh, you can't do it for them. That's one of the things, you know, as a father. Man, I pray for my kids so much because I know that I'm, I'm giving them all the stuff right now. I'm teaching them. But ultimately... They're going to need to make their own decision. They're going to have to have their own faith, and no one can do it for them.
0: So, yeah, that that's that's something that my wife and I talk about all the time, too. We think about, um, you know, like our cousins, and then, you know, I, I know, uh, no no offense to you, but I know, like, PKs have a reputation, and we think about things like that, and we're just like, well, we, we, we do the best for our kids, um, but... You know sometimes my wife's like, what if it comes to a point when he gets old enough and he chooses not to walk with god and you know i and I just encourage and I say, You know what, we won't even go there. it's okay We'll pr- we'll be praying for him and everything like that, um, uh, but you do everything that you can, and you being a father, know that it hurts you so much if if your kid even gets hurt, but let alone walk away from the Lord, and that's just
3: yeah, absolutely. my kids are young, but you know, yeah, and I uh, you know what I mean we're being listened to by thousands of people all over the place right now i guarantee you there's some people listening to us right now who have lived that they're they're living it right now they've got prodigal yeah. children and um and so let's do that man let's pray for your cousins and let's pray for all these yeah, prodigals out there that they would come home uh that's our desire you know i i think about what john the apostle says you know it brings me so much joy to know that my children are walking in truth but then how much does it hurt when they're not You know, so let's Mm -hmm. let's pray for those hurting hearts and for those for those parents. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for um, this conversation that we had and how you directed it. Lord, I pray that you would truly be with those who are struggling with prodigal children. Lord, we pray for those people who have done everything that they could uh, to raise their kids in your ways and who want so much for their kids to know you and to love you and to walk with you and to be saved And, Lord, and the kids just are not walking with you right now. So, Lord, our hearts go out to people who are struggling in that way. And, Lord, we do pray that those seeds of the gospel that have been planted in their hearts through conversations with parents or at church and Sunday school and all those things growing up. Lord, would you water those seeds? Would you do that work which only you can do? Of regenerating their hearts Lord and making them new and bringing them to faith Lord. I pray that truly people these these prodigal kids out there of all of our listeners Lord that they would truly turn back to you that even in this moment Lord you would speak to their hearts you would draw them near to yourself that you would uh, those truths that they've heard Lord you would water them and that you would cause them to spring up and bear fruit to salvation in their lives and Lord, I pray for specifically for Stephen's cousins. Lord, I pray that they would uh, know those things that they've been taught and that they truly would have faith of their own and that they would turn to you and walk with you. Uh, Lord, we pray for parents right now who are thinking, man, I want to raise my kids up in the way of the Lord. Lord, we pray that, that we would understand that proverb as a principle. And uh, and not as a formula that we can kind of uh, you know put in all the right ingredients and we're guaranteed a certain outcome. But if we don't get that outcome, then we feel condemnation. But I pray that we would do our best and leave the rest unto you, because you are faithful. I thank you for that promise, Lord, that even when we are unfaithful, you are faithful. So we cling to that today, and we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Awesome, Stephen. God bless you. Thank you for calling in. Thank you so much. Patrick. All right. Bye bye. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'll just take this opportunity real quick for those of you in the Longmont area. We would like to personally invite you to join us on a Sunday morning at Whitefields. We meet at 10 a.m. in the Saint Vrain Memorial Building, which is in downtown Longmont, 700 Longs Peak Avenue. We're right on the corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak Avenue and the southwest corner, or southeast corner, I'm sorry, southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, the city park in Longmont, and you can check us out online at WhitefieldsChurch.com, WhitefieldsChurch.com. The number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Mike in Erie, Colorado. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the program.
1: Uh, Hey, Pastor. How are you?
3: Doing well, thanks.
1: Good. Um, yeah, so a question that's popped up recently in my Bible study, um, and it's something I've been kind of dwelling on for a while. Um, it, it has to do with uh, basically Jesus' humanity while he was on Earth, uh, his omniscience, his omnipresence, um Passage that I read. Um, there, there's another instance too, I believe, where Jesus is in a crowd of people, and there's this woman who uh, just wants to reach out and touch his cloak. She touches his cloak, but he doesn't see it or doesn't know about it. And then he's asking, you know, who touched me? Who touched me? Um, and you know that that sort of that scenario sort of you know tells me that well, it, it reads like he really didn't know. Um, and you know, I've done some study and. And I, and, I, and I feel that I'm comfortable, particularly about what's written, what Paul wrote in Philippians about Jesus emptying himself while on earth, that he really was human, and that all of his knowledge came via the Holy Spirit, which is, also fits in with why he went away to pray so often. Um, and I, um, I don't know if you uh, agree with that perspective or not, but I feel like that's sort of the, the generally accepted view of his you know, his humanity while on earth. Um, But specifically, there's uh, this uh, passage in Mark describing the mustard seed that I read recently, where he says that it's the smallest seed in all the world. Um, And, I, you know, I researched that, obviously, when I read that and found out that it's not true, that actually there's several seeds that are much smaller than a mustard seed. Um, and, And it you know, I wonder, you know, I guess with my type of personality, um, with this kind of thing, I think facts are important to me. Um, and I'm just wondering what your take is on things like that in the Scriptures. You know, was Jesus was Jesus simply wrong there? Um, was he just speaking in a context that the disciples could understand? Um, or was this, you know, just an example of, of his... Uh, his limited knowledge um uh you know and then that brings up further questions you know that i just kind of like to think about as just kind of thought candy you know did he when he was learning carpentry did he ever smash his thumb with a hammer did he ever measure a board incorrectly you know things like that um but so i was just wondering what your take was on that
3: no those are really interesting questions um so several things that you mentioned there i'll try and uh Break them down. I really do agree with that perspective that you uh, articulated there about Philippians chapter 2. And I think that that actually makes the um, Christian life all that much more almost exciting and inspiring. That when I read about Jesus and I see the things that Jesus did, you know, it's really easy to say, well, oh, of course Jesus uh, could say that or know that uh, because, you know, he was Jesus and he can do stuff that I can't. But if you see that, okay, well, what it's saying is that he laid aside for a time. He was emptied of his privileges as deity while he was on earth, and he did those things that he did by dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Well, then that changes the game for me in a way, right? Uh, that absolutely. changes how I, mean, I he, read it. If he's it, yeah.
1: God and he dies on the cross, I mean, it's sort of a shallow victory in my mind, you know.
3: Well, and to be clear, he is God who died on no, the cross. No, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes.
3: No, but I get what you're saying that I I just think, especially in his life, that's the part that gets it for me. Like if I see that he lived his life and did the things that he did by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then I am also called to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I see that, uh, you know, I can't get away with just saying, oh, well, that was Jesus and Mm -hmm. I'm just little old me.
1: No, it says Mm -hmm. that was
3: Jesus and he lived by the same power of the Holy Spirit, which God has now placed in you who are a believer. Man, that's Mm -hmm. a game changer. So. All that to say, yeah. I I, th- I do agree with that perspective on Philippians and about Jesus doing the things he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think about, for example, you talk about omniscience and you think yeah. about Jesus says to the woman at the well in uh, John chapter four. He says to you, it says to her, uh, he says, hey, where's your husband? And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, you know what? You actually don't have a husband. Uh, you have had five husbands and the man you're yeah. living with now is not your husband, and she's like, how did you know that, now, what that means for us, is that the reason, the way Jesus knew that, was actually by the spirit, which is very intriguing, so all that to say, what about the mustard seed thing, truly, you were right, so technically, scientifically, a mustard seed is not the smallest seed uh, that exists, but I tend to take the perspective, which you did list among your possibilities, that Jesus is speaking to people, you know, if he explains to them that Hey, guys, well, you know, the mustard seed is a really small seed. It's not the smallest. Like, later on, they're going to find out that there's actually a smaller seed out there. But let's just say it's really small, right? I think that that's mm-hmm. – he's speaking more colloquially than that, I would say. Mm-hmm. He's speaking mm-hmm. to people for whom this is the smallest seed that they know. So he's saying mm-hmm. the mustard seed is the smallest seed. And yet when it grows up, it creates this giant bush. And that's mm-hmm. what the kingdom of God is like. And then the birds of the air, and, and you can get into all the rest. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's how I understand it. I believe he's speaking colloquially to people on that level. I don't think that he was trying to make a definitive statement um, about the smallest seed that exists in mm-hmm. nature. Okay. Now, yeah. uh, now you said some more things after that, and I'm trying to remember what they were. Oh yeah, did he ever mismeasure something? Did right. you know? Was yeah. he ever fallible in these kinds of things? Did he ever accidentally, you know, miss the mark with his hammer? Another,
1: Did he trip? You
3: know, Yeah, I mean, you know, things like this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I uh, so I I used to pastor a church in Hungary before I moved to Colorado as a missionary in Hungary for 10 years. And I remember uh, two of our church members got into a huge argument over this to the point where the one was calling the other guy a heretic over this because his opinion oh. was Jesus was, first of all, never sick. But not only was he never sick because he took oh. that as, you know, a sign of brokenness and the curse but he was not only not never sick but he never made any mistakes like he never tripped he never did anything the other guy said well if he was fully human i mean how can you be fully human and you know live in a broken world where stairs are different sizes and never trip and right. um and so i don't i don't know the answer to that clearly the bible doesn't give us any indication of jesus ever having a yeah. misstep or having any um problems it's hard to speak in an area where the Bible's silent all we can do is speculate um, yeah. if i was going to speculate oh i actually had a conversation with our assistant uh pastor the or worship pastor here at whitefields the other day on this topic i asked him you know what do you think do you think jesus was ever sick because we had the flu epidemic going around and he yeah. said you know for him he was saying that the the idea that jesus was never sick is totally, he can totally believe that. And the reason is because it, it it would theoretically be possible to live this life without being sick, right? And and it would right. po- be possible to live this life without, you know, making mis- mis-measurements with your tape measure and things like that. Right. So, so I would right. tend to lean that way, I guess, myself, that if it's possible, right. Jesus yeah. did it. Right.
1: Well, so you brought... So your your comment about, you know, everything he did, he did through the Holy Spirit. Now this this question pops into my mind, well, why is it that why is it that, you know, I, I, I believe I'm saved. I know that I'm I've got eternity in Christ. I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I'm sure you've got this question before, but why is it that I am not able to restore sight to the blind? Why am I not able to um, you know, I mean, peop, you know, peop, we pray, and you know, you know, people are sick and they get healed, and people give praise to God. But you know, I'm no, I don't know of anyone that's ever going to uh, pray and have someone's arm who's been that's been amputated have that be restored. You know, why are there why? But G- I certainly believe that it's within power, Jesus's power to do it, and if while he was on earth uh that scenario would have come up. Well, I think it actually did. Someone had a deformed arm and it Jesus made it grow back. Um a deformed what, hand. You, yeah. 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 So what is it that's different about the Holy Spirit in that was in Christ that that versus the Holy Spirit that I have?
3: yeah and so that that does get to another issue about who Jesus is as an eschatological figure, so eschatology meaning not just the timeline for the end times but eschatology meaning uh the fulfillment or the final things okay so uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was one of the things that was prophesied about Jesus. This would be a sign of his coming, so in this sense, here's what I'm going to tell you that I believe is different. I believe that Jesus was unique uh in that. Uh, and mm-hmm. so when it was says that he was emptied of his um, divine privileges, yeah. we would say, I I would ask two questions. One, was he a hundred percent emptied of them? Did he retain some of them? Which I believe the answer would be yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I do believe that in a way, some things he did do because he was Jesus. Okay, so mm-hmm. yeah. and and the reason why I believe that he's unique is because the Bible tells us that he will be this, you know. At risk of using a overly theological term he's an eschatological figure and it it prophesied that when he came lepers would be healed the blind would see you know the lame would jump and Mm -hmm. and so we see Jesus come and he does those things in fulfillment now can the Holy Spirit do those things even today yes I I have a daughter today is my daughter's birthday actually she's turning eight years old and eight years ago today when my daughter was born uh, she was born uh, in distress and we were told that there was a 10% chance that she would survive and today well and they told us if she does survive there's a 90% chance that she'll be permanently handicapped and Mm -hmm. um, and you know we prayed and there was uh, a couple times where the doctors they she was in a coma and um, they told us you know if she comes out of this coma then we'll see if she can breathe on her own if she can swallow And when they brought her out of the coma, she was not able to breathe on her own and swallow. And we went home that night just crushed. And we prayed and we sent out newsletters. And the next day we went back and she was a completely different girl. And she was able to breathe on her own and swallow. And, you know, that's that's the closest man I've ever seen to. I mean, they showed us scans of her brain where you could see the dead tissue. And now Mm -hmm. literally... One of the top of in her class, she just ran a race. We were told that she was going to have uh, cerebral palsy was the other thing. Uh, she ran a race uh, at her school and she came in third place. You know, some parents wow. might be like, oh, yeah. you only came in third place. We were like, you ran yeah. a race <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you came in third right. place. That's
1: so great, man. Praise yeah. the Lord. So all that to say, yeah. God
3: does heal today. I absolutely believe that. I've experienced it. But I will say this, that Jesus was a unique figure and that he was an eschatological figure. And here's the way that I've put it for our congregation is, um, is that with Jesus, what you have is you have him coming for the purpose of introducing the kingdom of God, bringing a window into the kingdom of God. So what is the kingdom of God? It's that area, it's that realm where God reigns supreme and things are the way that God determines and desires them to be, right? Where everything is the right way. In other words, people aren't sick, people aren't deformed, people don't die. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's no tears, no suffering, all of these things, right? There's no evil and no uh, curse of evil. And so with Jesus, when he came, that was part of the reason he came. You know, he said, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Jesus came in order to give us a window into the kingdom, and yet the fullness of the kingdom has not yet come. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that's one of the importance of it, that when Jesus, when we see him going around, what, why did he do that? Why, you know, of all the things that he could have done, he didn't just come to teach us things about God, and he didn't just come to die for our sins. He also came, and this is the part that I think a lot of, that doesn't get as much airtime as it should, is that Jesus came not only to teach, not only to die, he also came to live a life, and during his life and ministry, he did some things, like heal people. and uh, And why? Like, what was the point of that? The point was to open the window and give us a glimpse through the hole in the wall, so to say, at the kingdom that awaits us on the outside. And uh, okay. and I believe that that's what those were. Those were previews of coming attractions, you could say. Right. So, okay. Well, all right. Well, that, thanks a lot for that. Uh, I really appreciate your attention
1: to detail on issues like this. So that's, uh, that's really great. Um, awesome.
3: Well, we're ending yeah. the show now, so I'm going to have to let you go. But thank you for calling Sounds in, good. and God bless okay. you. Okay. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. We are coming up to the end of our show now. Uh, my name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. It's been a, a pleasure being on the air with you today. For those of you in the Longmont area, I encourage you to check us out, whitefieldschurch.com. And you can tune in every weekday for Calvary Live from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Uh, I am with you on Mondays. There are some great teachers and pastors on the air the other days, so tune in uh, every day for Calvary Live, and I'll be with you next week. God bless you.
0: You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.